Hello and welcome back to the Inside Out Interpersonal Transformation Podcast with your host, Tommy Acerno. And something I realized is that this host who is speaking right now hasn't really introduced himself a whole lot. <laughs> so this short podcast episode is going to be a little bit more about my my journey to interpersonal transformation, my journey of moving from inside out. And, and I don't share this to reflect necessarily or tell my story for telling my story's benefit. I tell it in the spirit of relationship building with you. I mean, think about it. You know, we can we can listen to podcasts, we can listen to people who have accomplished great things in this world, and we often do, and we're inspired by these people. And then at some point, though, we really start to become interested in who, who the person is behind these inspiring people that maybe we have followed or listened to in the past. So this episode is really just an invitation to sit back, relax, open up, and and allow me to just introduce and talk about myself and my journey in the spirit again of us growing our connection, building our relationship together. Where do we have commonalities? Where do we have differences? Where are there parts of my journey that are especially interesting or inspiring to you and which parts are flat out boring to you. <laughs> and, and I, to really, I think make the most of this episode, I invite you to be aware of your reactions to what it is I talk about as I share my journey, because that is going to be still you working from the inside out, learning more about your beliefs, your thoughts, your emotions, your awareness, your consciousness. You're going to get some information about that simply by listening to this. So that's enough of the preamble. Let me dive into my story. I spent the bulk of my career in technology and in the corporate world. I even started in college. I was working for a place called the National Center for Atmospheric Research. And I loved weather. I loved meteorology. I thought weather was just so fascinating. Uh, I love the movie Twister <laughs> with uh, um, Helen Hunt. And I can't believe I'm forgetting his name, name right now. I know you're laughing at me right now for not remembering his name. Bill Paxton. Thank you. And Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman, actually, too. Meteorology, science, how the world worked. And, and in fact, when I initially went into college, I wanted to study physics because I love this idea that we could use innovations, we can use inventions, we can use technology to create really cool things. I remember when I would come home, come home after school in middle school and high school, I'd watch the Discovery Channel and I'd watch shows like Beyond 2000 and these uh, different kind of shows that were all about what is the latest in technology, what is the latest in in innovations. At the same time, I, I had a very profound love for music and still do to this day. There is something about frequency and harmonies and collaboration. That was really my first introduction to powerful 
relationship building and collaborations was being an instrumentalist, playing the trumpet and being part of a band, being part of a jazz band, part of a symphonic band, part of a musicals in high school. It was this beautiful marriage of the individual and the group. One individual compo- uh, component and performance contributes to the collective and the whole. And so that really taught me a lot about, again, relationship building, participating, coordinating with others. And then when our efforts are coordinated, yet we're each bringing our unique skills, gifts, and talents to the table, we can create something truly magical. It's emotional. It's moving. It, 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 it speaks to your soul. Music does, especially well-performed music. So those are what are coming to mind in terms of my, my, see my high school years and a little bit of college. And, and again, this, this, this emphasis on science and technology. And from there, I continued the journey uh, with one interesting little caveat that's just popping up in my brain. Um, I, 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 balance is one of my core values. And I think I had a bit of a identity crisis, energetic crisis, don't know what to call it, in college where I you know, I studied physics and actually failed pretty darn, darn miserably at it as a study. Uh, I tried computer science, which I was mildly successful at and I really enjoyed. But because of my poor academic performance in physics, I wasn't able to transfer to the College of Engineering. And so then I came to this point where I was really confused about what I was going to be doing, what's interesting to me, what excites me. And the conclusion I came to is that I've been doing things that are too logical. I needed to do something that was more creative, something that was more expressive, because I didn't pursue music in college for reasons I'm still trying to understand. So I went into film. And yet again, felt like an, an outsider. Did okay. And... I was just reflecting on this experience a little bit ago with a family member that, you know, for me, college was a struggle because there is this sense of isolation. It was an individual performance done by me. There wasn't a lot. Yeah, we had group projects, but at the end of the day, the studies were all about what's my individual performance? What have I individually learned? How have I embodied the concepts that were taught to me and was really focused just on me and that sense of connectedness, that collaboration, that, that single instrument contributing to the, the entire musical performance using the metaphor. Now I imagine I'm coming back to that a lot was missing for me. And so when I got outside of college, what do you do with film background will you go to Los Angeles and what did I do I got a job at a startup software company <laughs> I started working I got a job at a company that a friend of mine was working at and uh, that was about it that's the the end of my <laughs> film experience as a profession uh, though I do find it quite helpful today in uh, lighting my office for zoom meetings and editing audio for things like a podcast so anyway That was a fascinating experience, having my first corporate job post-college that brought 
me together with other talented people. I remember one individual that I worked with, it was, it was, I was really inspired. It was very cool. He was, he was basically the engineer who worked at Microsoft who created the windows start menu, you know, and you clicked start and that little flyout menu. Uh, I worked with him and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so cool. And he showed me all these cool little Easter eggs that they, they built into it. And, uh, I was like, Oh, that's an inspiring person. And it was a very small team. I love the startup environment. I love that startup feel. What I didn't love as much was Los Angeles. And that's not entirely true. I actually really enjoyed living there. I loved the food. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the diversity. I loved the, uh, I guess, the famousness of it. You know, you say LA and everybody knows what you're talking about. And what it wasn't, though, was very practical. Uh, My wife and I were still relatively newly married at the time. We wanted to have a home, we wanted to have kids, and we would come back to Colorado where I live now and where I grew up. You know, people were buying houses and paying mortgages that were less than my rent for a 700 square foot apartment uh, in Westchester, California. (laughs) So uh, it was pretty easy to make the, the choice to move back. But again, I had this hunger to do something maybe a little more creative. And a friend of mine got me started with 3D modeling, 3D design in Los Angeles. He worked at a video game studio and I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to create 3D graphics for video games. That sounds really cool. So it's technology, it's art, it's everything wrapped into one. Well, I came back to Colorado and I was like, you know, what? I'll, I'll start building up my portfolio. But what I think I will do is maybe apply to some other jobs right now. I have a background in IT. I have my background in technology. I have my computer science minor. Uh, Maybe I could work for another startup software company. And so I started working, or I applied for a job to provide technical support for the 3D design software SketchUp, which you may or may not have heard of. At the time, it was a startup again. Uh, The company was called Atlas Software. And because I love that environment. I love that it, it was a small, nimble, scrappy group of people who were rallying around a common mission and goal. Now, this was supposed to be a hold-me-over job, you know, just a little bit so that I could build up my portfolio and maybe apply at a video game studio. And what I found, though, was relationships. I found mission. I found purpose. I found passion. Everybody who worked there was so passionate about the software. They were passionate about the, the customers and the users and the clients. They were passionate about the uniqueness that it offered, the 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 very powerful niche that it fulfilled, the, the powerful problem that it solved, because up until then, three access to 3D design was reserved for very, very expensive, very, very heavy software. And SketchUp was very light and nimble and easily easy to install, easy to learn. And it was just so rallied around that, you know, getting it in education and teaching it to, to uh, kids. And then, of course, using it for architects and designers, engineers, anything, everything like that. And just thought that was so cool. Well, about four months later, uh, a rather large surprise happened. That software was acquired by Google. Uh, at the time, Google was really marching forward with Google Earth. And they, while they had great satellite imagery, and they, they had very, very rough approximations for buildings, 3D buildings. And the idea with Google was that we would make... SketchUp available for free, and then people would model all the buildings basically in the world 
And so you would have not only would Google Earth be a 3D representation of the Earth, but of the buildings on top of it. And so that was the mission. And if you may recall, my college experience, uh, I didn't really do so hot. And this is an interesting conundrum because all of a sudden I'm working for a company that prides itself on the absolute best, highest achievers in academia. And so I'm surrounded by people, you know, Stanford, Harvard, uh, all these Ivy League schools with four point whatever GPAs. And then there's me, <laughs> uh, you know, this guy who, who barely slugged his way through who, through college with an identity crisis, couldn't figure out what it actually he's, he's even interested in or passionate about. And it completely changed everything for me. I was surrounded by brilliant, brilliant people who none of that stuff mattered. Our backgrounds didn't matter. What mattered is that they were, we were all there. We are all on a mission. Of course, Google's mission is to unify the world's information and use it, make it universally accessible and useful. Everybody's rallied around that. And this is about 2006, 2012, which I consider the, the golden years at Google. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. And I grew tremendously. I was successful. I was promoted a number of times. I was put into a leadership position where I had direct reports, and this was my first really introduction to leadership. And Google had a great program for developing and, and uh, up-leveling their, their leaders. And so I grew from all of that. About six years there, another unprecedented move by Google is that they sold the SketchUp software. Usually, you may recall this, when Google is done with a software or program or a platform, they usually just turn it off. You know, they give you a heads up and a warning and we're shutting this thing down. You know, think about, uh, what was it called? I think Wave and Google uh, Glass and, you know, all these different projects, they, they usually just get turned down. They knew that there was a big value in the software, that in the SketchUp software, and knew that it was, it had outlived its purpose because a lot of that 3D automation, a lot of that 3D building data was being automated instead. And so they decided to sell it to another company, which was really weird because usually they don't, uh, Google doesn't sell properties, intellectual property to another company. So I went through that whole transition. And uh, what was really cool about that transition it really gave me an opportunity to take everything that I've learned up until this point and, and really start to hone it and create it in my own vision. Because at Google, you know, I, I was really, you know, I was wide-eyed and surrounded by all these brilliant people who were not only brilliant, but they were actually, but they were very supportive and they were very encouraging of me. And I think that that counted tremendously towards my growth and success there. And you can see the relationships, you see the thread of relationships, people were supportive and encouraging of me. And that helped uplift and inspire me to operate at higher levels. And then I can turn around and put that back out into the people I was working with. And that's not only something I did at Google, but also at Trimble, the, the company that bought SketchUp. And so the thing at Trimble was though that we got to rebuild basically everything from scratch on our own technology. And I got to reimagine my team, not under, as I was saying a little bit before, everything I was operating under was operating under 
the best practices that Google had already established when it was acquired by this other company, Trimble, we basically had the opportunity to create our own best practices, to set a new standard and operate in new ways. And so I got to rebuild my team. I got to operate in a way that made the most sense for my team and the software. And it was such a, a beautiful time of, of creativity and expression and leadership and relationship building. Got to partner with a whole new group of people that I wouldn't have been able to partner with necessarily at Google. So uh, it was amazing. And I did that for about six years. And then I had this moment, this, I guess, a moment of clarity, you could call it. Because I'd been with SketchUp Group for 12 years now. And, and in tech, the technology world for technically about 20 years and I wanted something not I, I did want something different I think I was craving a new experience and at the same time I was seeing my own limitations I was growing an awareness that the way I was leading and managing my team which was very much based on mentorship you know every person on my team who did their job I had done their job at some point and so I had a lot of historical information and, and you know, that my team could ask me questions and I would often have answers. Well, the longer and longer I was in management and leadership, and this probably sounds familiar if you're, you have that background as well, I became more and more out of touch. You know, the, the issues that my team were facing were more complicated than the ones I, I encountered. My team was more sophisticated than I was, thank goodness. <laughs> and... I didn't know necessarily what to do because I was being less effective as a mentor and as a leader. So I had heard about this thing called coaching. Actually, my wife is a certified health coach and uh, she introduced it to me. She's like, oh, it's really great. You ask people questions, they come up with their own answers. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I would love to do more of that. I'd love to be able to lead in that way where I'm empowering more and more of my team to develop their own answers because that's how I operated. That was my that was my honestly road to success as I was always willing to experiment and try and to come up with my own answers. And again, cause I was there as a mentor that was less necessary for my team to really do until, like I said, things started to evolve. So I signed up for a coach training program. A good friend of mine, who's a brilliant atmospheric scientist, uh, had done all the research for me. <laughs> he had gone through this program, IPEC, uh, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. And um, uh, I was like, okay, cool. If you know if Scott says this is a great place, then that works for me. That's good enough for me. <laughs> and so I, uh, I signed up and I sat down. It's a three-module system. Each mod is three days. They're spaced about three months apart. And I was completely blown away. I had this experience where so much of coaching is, yes, of course, asking powerful questions and helping others come up with their own answers. Hallmark, cornerstone. There was a huge component of it of consciousness. Conscious awareness. Now, one thing I haven't really talked about much is that all this time, through all this professional history and my schooling and everything like that, when I was 19, a friend of mine gave me a book called Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. And this was my first exposure to this idea that our life could be consciously lived, that there is a, 
a way to live life, a how. Uh, you could think of it as the Tao or uh, just or just high conscious living. You know, what does it mean to live life not automatically, but with awareness and conscious choice and openness and curiosity and wonder and basically not letting life become automatic and predictable and uh, and stuck in a rut, basically. Because you, you hear those words from people all the time, that that's how they're experiencing life or career. And, and I had that idea planted in me when I was 19. And throughout all this time, I would, it would ebb and flow where it was very top of mind of like, how conscious am I? How aware am I of what's going on? How, how connected am I with the present moment? And I'll fast forward again, those 20 years. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm in a space where conscious awareness is also at the core of a profession, of a discipline called coaching, professional coaching. I didn't even know what professional coaching was five years ago. And so just being blown away at this intersection between consciousness, awareness, presence, energy, thoughts, emotions, actions, results, empowerment, leadership, questions, answers, solution focused. It, it was like this massive amalgamation to use that word. I haven't used that word yet today, so I'm going to use it now. This of, of all these different energies coming together and just completely blowing my mind and filling me up with enthusiasm and passion and excitement about where the heck this discipline is going to take me next. And so I immediately went back to work the Monday after my first weekend training and offered to coach people on the side. I started with two people. Next thing you know, I'm coaching 25 people. Next thing you know, I'm advocating to completely reorg a good chunk of our organization so that I could become a leadership development coach and do this full-time within the SketchUp team and organization. And then six months after that, I had this massive message, this huge hit, intuitive hit, we, we sometimes call it. It just said, bring coaching to the world. It was very simple. It was very direct. It was very plain. And it just said, bring coaching to the world. And at the time, I thought that meant, yes, you're coaching at Trimble and with SketchUp. These skills are needed beyond this company. This this talent that I have for coaching, this interest and passion I have for it. Cause I picked it up right. I picked it up very, very quickly. Um, it, it, it's needed beyond the borders of these, these walls in this company. And really with just that intuitive hit alone, I took the leap and I started my coaching practice. And that was in March of 2018. The other interesting thing, is that I found myself actually back in the classroom starting to teach other coaches within one year of my very first training, which was pretty fast. <laughs> uh, you know, people volunteer, but, uh, and it's great. Like we love our volunteers um, at IPEC and uh, that's what I was going to do. And then two weeks beforehand, their uh, ATC, their associate training coach uh, backed out and it was suggested that I step up from volunteer to this associate training coach, which means you, you taught about 5% of the content 
and and did a lot of administrative stuff to help manage the the in-person training room. And I was, oh my gosh, I was so nervous. My hands were sweaty and cold the whole time. I, I practiced so much to prepare what the tiny little bits I was going to teach. And then I spent so much time focusing on the teaching that I completely like messed up and dropped the ball on virtually all the administrative aspects. I, I, I didn't properly track when, when students were coming in and going out or late from lunch and like all these different things. You know, I put the tape in the box before I got the tape out so I could tape up the box. And, you know, like basically every little flub that you possibly could have made, I, I made in that first experience and then I was hooked. And I was like, that was amazing. That was so cool. Uh, it's, that was so hard. <laughs> and I loved it. And I signed up to continue to be an ATC. And I did that for about a year. During this time, my coaching business was, was moving along. But, you know, like many businesses, in the beginning, it can be slow. The network I was hoping to tap into, uh, the relationship and partnership I had with Trimble ended up being cut off a little sooner than I was expecting. Uh, just for contractual purposes, and and it was a little bit slow, and so I found myself questioning, of course, that message: bring coaching to the world. How am I supposed to bring coaching into the world when I'm, you know, I'm coaching a little bit from here and there, not making as much money as I was making in corporate, and spending all this time now teaching? Like, what is really going on here? And then uh, a lead trainer, an IPEC lead trainer, reached out to me, who was also a coach of mine. Like, I hired her. She said, hey, Tommy, I don't know if you know, but they're, they're looking for lead trainers. And I think you should apply. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And so I decided, all right, well, I'll toss my hat into the ring and went through one round of interviews. I went through a second round of interviews. I went through a third round of interviews. And I got accepted into the lead in training program. And I was just, again, totally blown away. And, and once again, surround, find myself surrounded by amazingly talented, inspiring people. If you meet any of the IPEC lead trainers, any of them, you will absolutely be blown away and inspired by them. Such an amazing group of people. And then the same thing happened that happened at Google. The same thing happened in high school for me where I was supported. I was encouraged. I was nurtured. There was there was talent and potential inside me that I didn't see yet, but others saw and they encouraged it in me. Coming back to relationships, taking a pause point here because this podcast is all about relationships. Notice what they did. They encouraged me. They supported me. They believed in me before I did. And it completely accelerated my growth, my potential, my possibility. And after a very, very very challenging and uh, I was going to say stretched or, or being stretched mentally, physically, emotionally, for sure. Going through that program, I popped out the other side, also a lead trainer for IPEC. And throughout this process, I realized hmm, maybe that whole message of bringing coach in the world has a lot more to do with teaching and creating new coaches than it does with me necessarily coaching people. And so I continue to focus on just coaching a small handful of really amazing, high-performing, beautiful people and then teaching. In a lot of ways, that's, that's where I'm at right now. 
And because of my experience as a lead trainer, what it means to be a leader now, a coach-based leader, what it means to, now that I've been able to connect the dots and see the relationships with others that got me to where I am, it took me all this time to realize how much my relationship with myself is at the core of, of absolutely everything. And so now what I'm, now what I've learned and I've, as I've, as I've coached others and worked with others on their interpersonal relationships, largely professional, sometimes personal, I saw this connection between the relationship with one's self and how that influences others. Because I, in my experience, and I'll, I'll use this limiting language, but I'll say I needed those other people to encourage and support me for me to realize my own possibility, potential, uh, talent, reach, impact. I don't need that anymore. It's nice, and it's I love the feeling of it, and I will never reject it. At the same time, I needed to experience that to realize that they, that those people, what they did is they inspired something within me, inspire, in spirit, to be lifted up. And I was like, you know, if, if other people can activate those parts of myself, why can't I? Why can't I do the same thing? And it, it took me a while to even ask myself that question. I start, I was coaching people on this very topic before I even realized what I was doing, <laughs> which was, again, reconnecting people with their relationship with themselves and improving their relationship with themselves so that they can see their own potential, their own possibility, their own inspiration, their own enthusiasm, their own passion, their own, their own calmness, their own coolness, their own awesomeness. And as in the case, and I can share many, many stories <laughs> uh, of me doing this, I tend to be the last one to look at myself. So a lot of what I'm doing, you know, with this group and this, this podcast, Inside Out Interpersonal Transformation, and, and, and this is the case for a lot of entrepreneurs and products out there, in a lot of ways, are scratching their own itch. It's the same for me. I'm, I'm also leveraging, and this is how it's a win-win. You know, I can teach everything that I've learned. I can use examples from clients who have up-leveled their relationship with themselves, meaning they, they've learned to shift their thoughts and emotions from basically beating themselves up from that fight-or-flight response into new thoughts and emotions that are significantly more supportive. And, and you can see it in the results. It's, it's measurable in the results. You can, you can, uh, it's very tangible. Uh, I tend to be the last one to invite myself to the party. And this might be something that you relate to. How much do you, and, th and this is very uh, common for me and my, my, my temperament and personality and my work history, right? Like I did IT, I did technical support. Um, I was a leader, uh, a manager. And, you know, a lot of these are very service oriented roles where we tend to ignore ourselves and take the focus off of ourselves so that we're focused on others' success. And it, it, ha it hasn't really been until, honestly, recently that I see that there is a shelf life to that. There's a limitation to that, which is exhaustion and uh, 
and a struggle to balance one's personal energy. And so now I'm much more conscious about how do I bring everything that I'm teaching and learning and sharing and coaching others around back to myself? How do I recognize my own limiting thoughts and interpretations that don't serve me, stories I'm telling myself that don't serve me, gremlin messages of saying like, I'm not valuable. And you had another podcast talking about my value, inner value. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not conscious enough, right? Like it's even all that, that whole experience, that whole uh, connection with high consciousness. You know, I've, I've even had, there's a newer realization. I have another message in there that's saying like, oh, you're not doing that well enough. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not a peaceful warrior enough. You're not uh, living the conscious life enough and all those kinds of messages. And so really, again, all of this work has been about having the both and where I get to serve and support you, people like you, uh, people who absolutely could benefit from improving their relationship with themselves. And then the motivation is to improve the relationships with others. Yeah, that's and that's the motivation, and that's where we start from. The solution is to work with yourself and to honor yourself and to learn what it means to shift your inner dialogue with yourself, your inner limiting beliefs, the inner stories you tell yourself, those inner automated patterns, those inner I can't whatever enough or I'm not good enough at whatever that's limiting you and holding you back. And so this is a win-win for you and me because doing this, doing this work, doing this podcast, doing the Inside Out Interpersonal Transformation Group, all of that, it helps remind me of the importance of having a, a... a loving, kind, thoughtful, grateful, honorable relationship with myself that's full of integrity and alignment. And I started with the word love and I'm going to end with the word love. And I don't care if that sounds cheesy or anything, you know, that's, that's going to be if it sounds that way, then I say, check your, (laughs) check your inner dialogue. Because honestly, I think one of the most honorable things that we can do in this lifetime is learn to love ourselves. And of course, this is completely different from like narcissism, right? What I mean is to treat ourselves with the same kind of honesty, honor, integrity, respect that we would love to feel or receive from others. Remember my stories. When did I most succeed? When I was encouraged, when I was recognized for talent and potential before I saw it in myself from others. That is a very powerful, successful formula. And it's the long way. The short way, the shorter path, the path you actually have a tremendous amount of control over is doing the same thing for yourself. Treat yourself as if you can see the the potential within before you can really see it. I know it sounds kind of weird, but I'll say it again because it makes sense. See the potential within yourself before you really consciously recognize that. 
See the talent within yourself, maybe before you consciously recognize or accept that. Encourage yourself. Support yourself. I honestly think this is probably the most, let me say this more directly. I believe that this is the most powerful act that any human being can embark upon on this planet. To encourage, love, uplift, honor, respect oneself. To what end? For what purpose? For energy. For the, the positive impact that this, this has on ourselves and others. It's taken me decades to recognize this connection. In a lot of ways, I still feel like a novice. And so that's the limiting speaking, right? <laughs> that's the, the normal like day-to-day consciousness, Tommy, talking. But what about that part of me that says, you've got this. You are a master at internal energetic alchemy. You are a master at, I can see the potential in you in creating such a profoundly powerful relationship with yourself that all you have to do is walk into a room and others will feel uplifted. All you have to do is walk into a room and others will feel inspired or hop on a Zoom room or share your words in a podcast and people will be uplifted, encouraged, inspired and do something with it. Do something with it. And so perhaps that's how I'll end today is an invitation to you. I asked you at the beginning to reflect on how the, my story and my messages resonate with you, what resonates, what doesn't resonate, what you think about, what you feel, and begin with that as your template of awareness. That has a tremendous amount of information for you about you and about your relationship with you. Now, putting my coaching hat on, I'm going to say, what do you want to do with that information? Putting my mentor hat on, I'm going to say, <laughs> what would it be like to take what you know now and see yourself as high potential, to see yourself as honorable, respectful to yourself, full of integrity, What would change for you if you unconditionally loved yourself? What if self-love were was the mission that drove you? What if self-love was exactly what you've been looking for to transform the most important relationships, external relationships in your life? So I know I asked a lot of questions there. And again, reflect on what resonates and what doesn't. <laughs> One of those questions may have stood out to you more than others. Answer the question for yourself. And if you want to share it with me, my goodness, I'd love to hear from you. And if not, that's fine too. Thank you so, so very much for listening today and allowing space for me to share 
my story with you. And again, I hope that what it does is my, my intentions are two things. One, that if you feel like you know me, then that already starts to up-level our relationship. And two, uh, give you an opportunity to grow awareness about how you're currently experiencing your relationship, relationship with yourself. So I have a couple additional call to actions. <laughs> I know it's, it's not good podcast etiquette to have several call to actions, but um, that's what I'm going to go with today. So number one, uh, I would love to hear your story in any way, shape, or form. You feel inclined to share it. If you want to email it to me, you want to record an audio recording of yourself and send it to me, I, I'd love from here from, to hear from you uh, if you'd like to type me out. My email is just my first name, Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, at my first and last name, TommyAcherno.com, T-O-M-M-Y-A-C-I-E-R-N-O.com. I'll make sure uh, my email's in the show notes. Then the last call to action is uh, subscribe and share. I'm looking to... Bring coaching to the world. And you're liking and sharing this podcast with others that you feel would benefit from it. Help support that mission. And I would be very, very grateful if you were to take the time to do that. Thank you again so much for listening. I hope that you got absolutely everything out of this podcast and then some that you want that supports you and so looking forward to hearing from you and allowing our cause our our what am i trying to say our paths to cross again in the future love light and warm wishes to all Ciao.